Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Gargoyle Podcast. I'm Nathan, a.k.a. the Gargoyle. And I'm Eric, a.k.a. the Chimerican. And today is day 32 of 60 Days of Halloween, uh, and we're continuing on with Graham Skipper's Fear of Going Insane Week. And, oh, man, today's movie is kind of insane. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely insane. This is a movie I did not think I would ever watch. Really? Yeah, because I've read a lot about it, and just wasn't sure if it was for me. I'd, I mean, it probably isn't, but hey, you still watch it anyway. So it's, look, <laughs> You'll so, find out. <laughs> so here's another reason why um, Human Centipede was such a great palate cleanser. Almost anything else that you're ever going to watch is going to be, you know what? At least it wasn't that. It's really funny because I'm watching this movie almost justifies watching Human Centipede because I have I have. I'm gonna I'm gonna get into this a little bit because I see some interesting parallels between Lars von Trier and Tom Six. Lars von Trier is a better uh, better filmmaker though. He's basically he's, he's crazy. He's he's Tom Six, but with like actual talent, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. Uh, all right, so yeah, today we are talking about Antichrist or Antichrist. I I've always said Antichrist, like Antifreeze. Yeah, I guess so. I mean. Antichrist just doesn't really roll off the tongue very smoothly. I mean, like, but it also kind of rhymes. I mean, it might be it might be more accurate. Like this is the Antichrist, Antichrist. but for me, it's just I don't know, lazy. It's the Antichrist. It's like pecan versus pecan. Mm-hmm. Why are we even talking about this? I don't all right, know. so uh, <laughs> yeah, we're talking about Antichrist and doing the same thing we do on all the reviews: prior information, technical aspects, emotional aspects rewatchability and uh, who we recommend it for. So, um, so yeah, prior information, what you got? So I want to apologize to all of our listeners out there because yesterday I actually lied to you and said that I've never seen a Lars von Trier film before. This is actually my second one. I watched, uh, the five obstructions, which is a documentary that he made. That's really interesting. And really good. You guys should check it out anyway. Um, so <laughs> sure do do documentaries count for filmmakers like i know that they do but i think so because this the documentary is distinctly very much very singular like it definitely is i mean he's in it and it's about him just testing one of his heroes of filmmaking by making him remake a short film that he did uh jorgen leth is the name of the the subject of the documentary but basically he has to remake his short film like an award-winning short film that he made five different times with different obstructions. Hmm. Like you have to make it as an animated film this time, or you have to do this. It's, it's very fascinating. I really like it. That actually sounds really cool. It's, it's really cool. Anyway, um, I've, it's interesting cause I've kind of followed his career for a while now because I find him to be a very fascinating person, but I've really not watched any of his movies. I don't know why. Like, I'm just not sure if it's my cup of tea. Um, and I had actually considered using Antichrist. I want to be anti and you can be anti. <laughs> I considered using Antichrist for my uh, fear week because it is about losing a child. Uh-huh. That's not a spoiler. That happens at the very beginning. Um, but I didn't think that it would be a, a very literal depiction of grief. Uh, so I didn't think that it would be very relevant to my fear. And I was kind of wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's... I don't know. Maybe we can get a little bit more into this during the analysis episode where like we really dive into things, but I almost feel like losing the child. Isn't the point like it is, it's the catalyst and it is definitely a huge part of it. But 
I think that the characters were going to go through what they went through, even without the loss of the child. Regardless, yeah, no, I yeah. agree. That's why I still, I'm still glad I didn't pick it. Um, another reason yeah. I didn't pick it is because I just, like I said, I wasn't sure. I know I already knew what happens in this movie for the most part, like knew some of the big scenes ahead of time, and I was like, I don't know if I want to see that. Yeah. So that was another reason why I didn't watch it. So it was I was too afraid to watch this movie for my fear <laughs> week is what it boils down to. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, so I'd actually seen a few Lars von Trier movies. Um, the first one, really only like two and a half. Um, I've seen Melancholia mm. and most of Nymphomaniac Part 1 mm. and then now Antichrist. Um, and so like I was familiar-ish with some of his work and I... Well, I knew how much of Willem Dafoe's ass you see during this movie. So <laughs> it's like on the poster. Like it is that yeah, there is a whole lot of nudity. Um It's a whole lot of whole lot of Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Whole lot of Willem's Dafoe. Really? <laughs> I was I tried to co- I tried to go with something too, it doesn't work. Willem Dafoe? I don't know. I just love uh, saying Willem Dafoe. <laughs> So yeah, like I, I was familiar with his style again, at least from those um, like one and a half movies prior. And God, *Nymphomaniac* is just way too long of a movie, you know. Yeah, that sounds that sounds very tedious to me. That whole yeah, I don't know. I've read about it, and I'm just like, nah. It not it's for a me. it is a solid film. Although after There's, watching this movie, I would be a little more interested in seeing that. It shows a lot. Oh, I'm sure. But and and. Mm, that's yeah. not really what you're there for right I mean, like it, it shows a lot i would mostly want to see it just because it's charlotte gainsburg or borg yeah um, well much like um <clears throat> much like with antichrist there is nothing sexual about it like it is just so it it is very it's not graphic. right it's very graphic yeah. in what it shows but like watching it it is not like ooh yeah it's just like i feel sad for humanity yeah. now like this <laughs> Oh, this makes me sad. So, so yeah, like not finishing it wasn't like, oh no, I feel guilty about it. It was just a, God, this movie is too freaking long. I I have better things to do with my time. I'll go back and finish it at some <laughs> point. Um, so yeah, like I knew that his movies are just very slow, very character driven, but also very like here, let me expose you to things and like yeah just challenge you with what you're going to put into your eye holes yeah <laughs> and sometimes that's good sometimes not so good um so yeah what do you think of it from a technical standpoint so technically i was kind of surprised by how much i enjoyed this movie because again like i always thought of von trier as more of like a tom six kind of person who he's he's just out to court controversy and he's very polarizing and people hate his movies sure in a lot of cases um but i feel like like Von Trier is an actual artist. Like he actually has something to say and he knows what to do with the camera. And Tom Six doesn't have either of those qualities. Yep. So anyway, I just thought that was an interesting, interesting comparison. Um, I found this movie to be hypnotic. It has this really kind of interesting impressionistic quality. That's really unlike almost anything else I've ever seen. Um, man, the opening scene of this movie in black and white is gorgeous. Yeah. And it is excruciatingly slow. Like it's in slow motion and it is the slowest slow motion you've ever seen, (laughs) but it works so well because you know what's happening, what's about to happen. And it just makes the wait like so arduous, 
but not in a bad way. Like that's the way it's meant to be. Yeah. It makes it a lot more effective because it's, I mean, basically it's, um, she and him, I don't, they don't actually have names. Willem Dafoe and Charlotte Gainsbourg's characters. They're just, do they not? They're just, they're just credited as like he and her, she and him or something like that. Um, they're having sex while their child gets out of the crib and falls out of a window and man, it is in. Oh, uh, it's so horrible and so sad. And also, there's one shot that's really unnecessary. But again, there there are a whole lot of unnecessary shots. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not like offended by anything that happens in this movie. I mean, I mean, I'm not offended by the imagery. It just seems again like it kind of undercuts what's happening a little bit. I feel like because so. It's the first scene of the movie, so it's not a spoiler. Yeah, this movie has unsimulated sex. Yeah. And, like, I I kept going back and forth on that, too, just in terms of, like, it's not shown for any sort of, like, hypersexualization. Like, it's not supposed to turn the audience on. And so there's the question of, like, okay, if you're not doing it for that reason, like, why are you doing it? And, like, it, it doesn't really seem to fit the story. Like, there are other uh, movies that have unsimulated sex that it's like, okay, this fits the story. Still unnecessary, but, like, I get why it's being done. With Antichrist, it's just, like, I don't I don't know if I fully get why it's being done. Like, there could be, could be some uh, connection with things that happen later on in the movie. Yeah. It could be because because it is such a tragic scene. And so it's like showing, all right, I'm going to show you something really, really graphic to be like, wait, what did I just see that? And then you're going to see this other thing. It's like, wait, well, it's really just trying like, it seems like it's designed to really like mess with your expectations of what's happening. Yeah. Um, like it's almost like in the beginning, you think this is going to be like this really sexy scene or something. And then something horrific happens. Yeah. So I, I don't, dislike it i just don't i still don't necessarily understand the purpose and it's not like it's not like i wouldn't call it pornographic like it's it's still done tastefully sort of um because and it's like it's very artistic i, I don't know it I, I just don't know how i feel about it like it, right. it just seems completely out of place but i don't know yeah and and again like it's not done for a hypersexualization. it's just yeah it is a very awkward scene and and i think that it almost makes some of the other things that you see later on like not as shocking like I because so, the it kind first of scene it's like hey here's you. penetration then later on it's just like okay yeah i then when the other the other things happen then you're like okay well that doesn't really i mean it's so shocking but it's not unexpected yeah so i yeah yeah with having seen some of uh, nymphomaniac part one like they do not shy away from showing things in that movie either but it makes more sense in that movie because it is about this girl's like struggle and like it it makes a lot more sense in the narrative Mm -hmm. in the narrative of antichrist like i don't i don't know It, it is just an awkward scene that it could have you could have cut that scene and not been missing anything yeah you know like there's some movies where it's like okay that was unnecessary but then you see it without it and you're like oh wait no maybe that shot actually was necessary but with this it's just like was it i i don't know and they even use they use doubles for that scene too i mean it's not actually the actors doing doing the 
the deed. Yeah, maybe it is. You don't know that. Well, that's what they said. They have a quote porn double for this movie. <laughs> How'd you like that on your resume? <laughs> Not even a porn star, just a porn double. Porn double. Yeah, I don't know. It's just weird. I, I mean... Like I said, I'm not offended by it or anything, but it is something that if you're going into this movie, you should probably keep in mind that it is something that is going to happen. I don't know if anyone would go into this movie not expecting that to happen, though. Like, yeah, that's true. I don't know if there's really anyone out there who knows about Antichrist that doesn't know, like, oh, yeah, you're going to see, like, a whole lot of nudity and not the fun kind. Yeah. It's... Man, we spent a long time talking about just this one shot in the movie. Yep. All right, let's move on. because So, <laughs> so technically, uh, I think that... I, I do think that it's a beautiful movie, but also a really awkward movie. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's done that has to be practical effects. And I think mm-hmm. that they are really well done. Uh, a lot of shots do look very artistic. I think that it's acted very well, but I think that it's written awkwardly sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like, okay, Willem Dafoe does a great, like, I love the scene um, where he's kind of doing some guided meditation with her and he tells her to lie down on the grass Oh, and she's man, like so great. On, on top of the plants and she's like yeah, yes like yes. down on top of the plants <laughs> it's really funny because it's like voiceover and it's like a very dreamy kind of quality and then when he gets like sort of frustrated it kind of it almost takes you out of it for a second it's like wait a minute they're like i don't know it's weird because it has this dreamy quality but he like gets kind of short with her for a second it's yeah. weird well and i love that because like i i feel like it adds some unintentional comedy to it yeah and like i could see that being what someone actually says but there's so many other things that it's like, that's not how real people actually talk. And so like sometimes there's just a very weird juxtaposition of Mm -hmm. this is being written in like a very artistic style in terms of the dialogue, but it's still delivered in, in a very realistic way. And yeah, yeah, so uh, really great acting. Uh, Love the practical effects. Um, Some really, some really beautiful shots. Like it does feel like old gothic renaissance art with it, you know like showing demons and stuff there are parts that are that feel like it was ripped from like a hieronymus bosch painting or something like yeah. it's it's really there's some really creepy unsettling imagery in this movie and some of it is just it's really beautiful and then like it slowly morphs into something that you that makes you uncomfortable in a way like it's man this movie is really i knew going into this it would be an unpleasant experience but i didn't know if it was going to be a good or a bad unpleasant experience right if that makes sense like i didn't know if it was going to be one where i'm just like god this is stupid or if this is like oh my gosh this is uh this is great but man it's it's hard to sit through yeah so and i I kind of i'm kind of falling on the good like i actually i kind of like this movie and i didn't expect that like Willem Dafoe and Charlotte Gainsbourg, for one thing, are fearless actors. Like they go for it in this movie, and so like I can't imagine even considering being in a movie like this, yeah, and just having to deal with the publicity and I mean, and dealing with Lars von Trier. But but it does feel like it feels very personal. Um, like from what I understand, when he was writing this movie, he was actually going through kind of like a depressive episode in his life to the point where he was like considering self-harm and things so like it really feels like he's really trying to work out some issues that he had with depression yeah um it's very very interesting it i don't know if i would necessarily necessarily say that i think that it's a good depiction of grief and depression 
But well, no, that's the thing. I don't think it's a good depiction of it, but I think it's a very interesting. It's almost like him writing this movie and making this movie was how he coped with it. Like yeah. it's it it is his coping mechanism, and that makes it a lot more fascinating. Yeah. Well, and I was gonna say, like, I don't feel like it's a good depiction. But I also feel like, you know what, for some people who do deal with grief and depression, this might be what it feels like inside of their mind. Yeah. So it's a very weird sort of like, this is not accurate at all. Do not think that this is what all people who suffer with depression go through. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know what, for some people, this is kind of what they go through. So yeah, like I, I just really like that. Um, that sort of juxtaposition between the two. I think that's like the third time I've said juxtaposition this episode. There's a lot of juxtaposition in this movie. Yeah. Like, like, well, and I think that's what's interesting about it because it's like <clears throat> the place, the cabin that they retreat to in this movie is called Eden. And, yeah. you know, the there's this idea that, like, going out into the woods is supposed to be this very peaceful and quaint and, like, lovely experience. But Lars von Trier makes it feel like hell on earth. The way that the animals are, like, I, I don't want to get into like what all happens, but there's, there are a lot of, there's a lot of symbolism with animals in this movie. That's just so disturbing. Well, and uh, there's the one line about like nature being the church of Satan. Yeah. And like on the one hand, it's like, what, what? But then like, if you think about, especially like, you know, older pagan stuff, like, yeah, there is a ton of worshiping of nature. Yeah. And so it's just very, very weird because, you know, like some people are like, oh, well, I go into nature to get back in touch with God. Mm-hmm. But then like, that's also what a lot of pagan rituals are, are used for. And so like, again, it's just a really interesting uh, relationship between religion and nature and 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 faith and um you know the natural world and so it's just this movie is definitely not for everyone but i think that there are a lot of really really deep important topics that are brought up in a very unsettling movie yeah i've seen some criticism of this movie that it's very shallow and it's very much like von trier just stroking his ego but i i completely disagree Among with that i think things. that there's yeah. <laughs> hi oh <laughs> Um, I think that there is some real substance to this movie. I think there's a lot more to it than just him like trying to show off how great of a filmmaker he is. And it, but it is very clear that like at one point during the press cycle for this movie, he declared himself the world's greatest filmmaker. So like, there's definitely some of the arrogance in there, but I think there is more to the, to, you know, this movie than him just trying to show off his, his prowess as a filmmaker. Yeah. I, um, see, I don't know because on the one hand I can agree with that, but then on the other hand, it's also like, I, I can definitely see both sides of it being like a beautifully artistic movie that has a lot to say and being an incredibly shallow, like, okay, yeah, it's just like, you know, another possession story. And, well, I definitely, but, I can, I definitely understand why people feel that way. Yeah. But for me, I was able, like, I feel like I could pull a lot out of this movie. I don't know. Like there were a lot of things that I, I wanted to read into and then I thought was kind of fascinating and I feel like there is more to it. I feel like this is a genuine work of art and not just a provocation. Well, and like, like the reason that I'm like, I don't know is because I kept going back and forth the entire movie. There were some, there were some scenes that I thought, oh man, this is like, just so well done and like yes it is very thought provoking not just shocking but provoking and you know it is doing what it is supposed to do and yeah Lars von Trier is a great filmmaker and then like the very next scene it's just like okay 
this is just overdone and trite and kind of trashy and like it feels like the kind of movie that someone who does not have his ego in check is just like i'm gonna go make the greatest movie ever and someone's like are you sure because you know this thing's kind of been done before i said greatest movie ever (laughs) i do think it's very interesting though because this is something like you don't see a lot of movies like this i mean if this was made in the u.s it would be put like the studio would have cut it to pieces and censored it. And it is interesting to see just like complete, like of like him just completely unleashing his it on the screen or whatever, yeah. having no, like nobody's there to call him out on it and restrain himself. Like he's just puts it all out on the movie. And I think there, I think there's something kind of admirable and interesting about that. Well, and like there are other scenes that, um, there are some scenes that felt like I was watching like early seventies bl- buckets of blood style mm-hmm. of film not necessarily because of all the blood, but just because of, you know, like them running through the forest naked and screaming. <laughs> naked. So, yes, yeah. naked. Uh, N-E-K-K-I-D, naked. Uh, so, like, there were some scenes that gave it uh, sort of like an older feel, but then there were other things about it that felt incredibly modern. And it was... The entire film is just somewhat off-putting and unsettling. But, by design, though. Yeah, but by design. Which, hey, transition into emotional. But overall, it is an enjoyable question mark experience. Like, it is unsettlingly enjoyable, if that makes sense. I I think it's a good movie, honestly. Like, I really do. I I did not expect to feel that way, but I do. So, yeah, there's there's the emotional side. Yeah, like, the the biggest emotion is just it it was unsettling, but overall enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, like, I really fell under this movie spell. Like, I'm fascinated by it. I'm also kind of repulsed by it. Um, it feels very relatable, but also very alien at the same time. There like, was, I kind of love it and I kind of hate parts I of it. Don't know how I feel about how he treats gender roles. I, this is something I wanted to bring that bring up because I do think like I have seen that there are people who think this movie is misogynistic and I, I get that. I get it. I don't know if I agree with it. I don't, I, I definitely see where people are coming from. I, I don't think that's Man, I don't know. I don't like, think we, that's what motivates him, but it's hard to, I mean, I don't once know. Once we get into the analysis episode, I'm fairly certain that's going to come back up because yeah, there are some things that are so empowering and so like very, very much breaking gender roles, but then there are other things that it's just like, but that is so, ah, uh, I just, and there's no way to talk about it without getting into spoilers. Yeah. It's so... Yeah, it might be like crazy misogynistic, just it running wild, trying to work through issues, but still just bringing up more issues and working through them. Or it could be a subversive trying to break gender roles by using some of the gender stereotypes, but like against what you think. And that's kind of the way I'm leaning because they are for all of the elements of this movie that are just kind of implied and expect you to figure it out yourself. I feel like the, um, the analysis of gender roles is very explicit. There's some Freudian stuff though. That is very, very much like, no dude, that's like 1800s misogynistic kind of stuff. So yeah. what, what, we'll get into it. Cause that's going to be a lot of fun to talk I about. Know, I can't wait. Uh, all right. How rewatchable <laughs> is antichrist? Uh, um, <laughs> yep that's it <laughs> i don't know i 
like I said, I really, there were parts of this movie. There are actually, there's one scene in particular that I did not watch. Like I turned my head away from the screen because I did not want to see it. Right. But then there are parts of this movie that I'm just like, I can't look away. So it's rewatchable in bits and pieces. That's actually, I I think, yeah, I was thinking like, I would want to watch parts of it, like just going to YouTube and watching scenes like, yeah. oh man, what happened during the scene? Sitting through it. I don't know if I would want to sit through that entire I'm experience not, again. I'm definitely not a proponent for censorship at all. I don't believe this movie should be censored at all. But for <clears throat> me, I feel like I would self-censor parts of it because it's just not... I'm not the kind of person that can handle some of the stuff that happens in this movie. Right. I... um. I feel like it is rewatchable in the sense that like many other movies I've talked about, if it were playing somewhere or if a friend was like, Hey, let's watch Antichrist. I'd say, dude, what's wrong with you? No, but also like I, I would rewatch it if it was being played again, you know, like it yeah. wouldn't be like one of the movies where it's just like human centipede where I'd be like, Oh God, no, I do not want to no, see yeah. that again. It's just like, yeah, sure. Fine. I guess I'll rewatch it. I don't know if I ever see myself seeking that movie out. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I ever see myself saying, I want to watch this again. I would consider it. I think I'd like to go back and I think I'd like to watch more of his films. And then after watching them, go back and compare them. So I think maybe under those circumstances, I'd be, I'd consider rewatching them. Yeah. And, and again, like I feel like Antichrist is rewatchable, but I feel like it's more rewatchable from an academic standpoint yeah. than an enjoyment standpoint. Definitely. So it's, it's kind going of how to be watch it like just the first time watches is, is more from an academic kind of standpoint even. Yeah. So like more of the like, okay, I want to analyze this. I want to compare it to this other film. I want to see how he's grown or how he's devolved as a filmmaker. So yeah, mm. like if you're doing a thesis on Lars von Trier, totally rewatchable. <laughs> um, I would say definitely check out Melancholia because I've wanted to see that for a while. It is, it is a very long, arduous movie, and there are things about it that you're like that you're gonna say this is terrible, and I kind of hate it because it is. It just oh god, it is so freaking slow, but so much character growth, so much character development, and like the entire thing is focusing on like just a very isolated incident, but with very cosmic uh, implications, and it's yeah. just. It, it is really, really good. Like, I feel like anyone who's going to uh, try to watch Lars von Trier, start with Melancholia. Yeah, that does seem like his most accessible <clears throat> from what I've seen of it. And yeah. that was, I think that that was the film where I first heard about him anyway. Yeah. And even that's not the most accessible film, but. Well, no, I'm sure none of his movies are though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So who do you recommend the movie for? I feel like I need to put a caveat on this because even for the people I recommend it for, the movie's so polarizing that there's probably still only about a 50-50 chance that you'll enjoy it. Um, so, yeah, I don't really know how you'd react to it even if you were one of these people. But I'd say if you're a fan of both the art house and the grind house, <laughs> yep. like seeing those uh, two things smashed together. Um, you'd probably enjoy this movie, maybe. Um, if you like those kind of slower-paced psychological horror, or thriller, or whatever movies, something kind of like The Shining, maybe it's not 
necessarily comparable to The Shining, but in terms of pace and tone, I think it's similar. Or maybe the movie was actually dedicated to Andre Tarkovsky, mm-hmm. and I feel like the pace of this movie is very similar to something like Solaris or Stalker, like a Tarkovsky's films. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking, um, even as you were comparing him to uh, whatever his name is for The Human Centipede, I was thinking Lars von Trier kind of feels like if Stanley Kubrick... Um, didn't have any restrictions. So like if Stanley Kubrick was able to make the films that he wanted with absolutely no restraint, or like if Stanley Kubrick had a kid with the human centipede is, is kind of how <laughs> some of those movies go. Um, yeah. Like I recommend it for people who already know Lars von Trier, who already really like experimental cinema that, you know, they are totally okay with things being shown very graphically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that you hit the nail on the head with the art house meets grindhouse. Yeah. Not quite as gory, but that same sort of like, we're going to push the limits mm-hmm. and see how far we can go, but we're going to do it with style. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, all right, Eric, where do you want people to follow you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the Chimerican, or you can follow me on Instagram at Chimerican reviews. Or if you want to follow my personal page, you can find that on Twitter at Eric J A Y Harris or on letterboxd at Eric J A Y. And you can follow me on uh, Facebook at the Gargoyle podcast on Instagram at the Gargoyle podcast on Twitter at Gargoyle podcast and on letterboxd at the Gargoyle. Uh, and if you're enjoying these uh, reviews and Halloween coverage, make sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Anchor.fm, or Stitcher. Uh, and if you are enjoying these um, these episodes, let us know. Tell us what scares you. Tell us what movies you would include on a week devoted to your fears and what palate cleanser you would uh, include at the end. And if you enjoy horror movies um, and live in the southeast Tennessee area, go to the Frightening Ass Film Fest in Chattanooga. That's going to be October, I think, 27 and 28. Uh, And they've got a lot of announcements uh, that are about to start coming out. And Knoxville Horror Film Fest in Knoxville, October 18 through 21. Both of those amazing horror film fests. If you love horror movies, you have to go to at least one of them. They are absolutely amazing. I'm definitely going to be at the Knoxville Horror Film Fest. I'm not entirely sure if my schedule is going to allow me to get to Frightening Ass Film Fest, but it is totally worth it. You should absolutely go to one, if not both of those. Uh, And if you can't make it to either of those, at least get together with friends and watch horror movies, because that's a lot of fun to do, and Halloween is lots of fun and just around the corner. Uh, All right, tomorrow we're going to be continuing with our Fear of Going Insane Week with Session 9 and that that should be fun to talk about and then especially considering the circumstances of how we watch the movie <laughs> i'm so looking forward to talking about it uh and then we have one more movie to uh, review after that and then we're going to be doing our analysis episode with special guest graham skipper so make sure to keep coming back and uh, yeah i i guess that's it so that's been it for this episode of the gargoyle podcast i'm nathan aka the gargoyle and i'm eric aka the chimerican and remember kids Chaos reigns. <laughs> Excellent.